0: Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we gather here for Palm Sunday, as we focus on this holy week and what it means to be led by you and be renewed by your leading, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us, to help us see what relevance Easter has for our daily life, but also for our eternal life. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of faith that you have given us through your church, through other people meeting together and encouraging us and helping us to hear the story. And Lord, may we always be open to listening to you and to following you. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Being renewed by God's leading. And as I said, we're going to focus on most of today's sermon is focused around the Jeremiah passage. Verse 9 says, They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Now a bit of context about this reading in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet and he's prophesying to people who have been held captive in Babylon. Right And as I've mentioned in the last week, that the problem with that is that they felt they were away from God. They felt God had deserted them. And they'll be encouraged to worship other gods, either through force or, well, other people are doing it. God seems to have deserted me. Maybe I'll try my luck and worship some other gods. Well, what Jeremiah reminds the people is God has a history of bringing people away from slavery, away from difficult places. And so today's passage is both a... Remembrance passage of what God has done for people, particularly if you remember the main story in Egypt and leading people through the promised land, to the promised land, but also to remind people that God is with them and that He will deliver on His promises. And He says He's going to lead them beside streams of water and onto a level path where they'll not stumble. In other words, life is going to get better and that we should trust in God's leading. But I have a question for you to think about as we enter in this holy week, and that question is there are you completely following God or just follow Him when it suits or when it's comfortable? Do you sometimes get distracted? Do you sometimes follow and listen to other people and other ideas that may be in conflict with what God is saying? And think about your life. How's your attitude towards forgiveness towards others? How's your attitude towards about serving others? How's your attitude towards, yes, God is in control, even though the world seems out of control? I think for most of us there are times in our life where we slip into, yeah, we follow God, but only when it suits. Well, the Easter story as we go into Holy Week is a an encouragement, a reminder that a, people throughout history have slipped out of following God, but God doesn't desert them. But secondly, it's also a reminder for us to be conscious that we may slip out of following God because it becomes uncomfortable. So when we look at God's leading, when we think about that God is leading us, there are five points I want to for us to think about today. The first is that. God gathers followers who are large in number, who are diverse, and who are in need. Right? We will be being led by Jesus with a large group of people, people who are not just like us, people who have different ideas like us, or as someone put it, God's going to put us in relationship with people who are just as imperfect as us. But we need God's help. This is what he said in chapter 8. Sorry, verse 8 of chapter 31 of Jeremiah. See, I'll bring them from the land of the north, gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labour. A great throng I will return. Sometimes as Christians, we think, oh, we're going to be the minority group, we're going to be small, and we should be small, and it's good to be small. But that's not the way God's operating. God wants to gather. Large numbers, diverse range of people. And if you think about our journey on earth, God's going to put you into a relationship because you're a Christian with people who are different to you, people who think differently to you, but people also with different gifts and talents. And none of them will be perfect, not even yourself. And most of them will be in need. And that's what he's saying you know, God's to these original people in Babylon. He said, look, Jeremiah is saying God's going to rescue you, he's gonna, but he's going to rescue not just the elite or the, the best. He's not just going to pick the finest people in the group. He's going to bring everybody. And some of those people are going to be in need. So keep that in mind that as we are led by God, we are led by a God who gathers this diverse range of people, a wide range of people, a, a Huge range of people. And we shouldn't be about trying to eliminate people, but encouraging people on that journey. As the passage in Ephesians reminds us, our role as a church is to encourage each other and to equip each other. So that's the first thing about God's leading. He wants a broad range of people. People who are large in number, a diverse range, but also people who will be in need. And if you think about it, if we're joining that group, we will have some needs. We will be inadequate by ourselves. We will need God's help. The second thing in God's leading is that God will lead us both to a main destination, which for all of us as Christians is eternal life, but he also will lead us to interim places along the way. Things like stopovers. So, Brett, you're going to Adelaide probably in the next week. Driving the car. Are you going to drive all the way through or are you going to have a stopover along the way? Yeah. Probably stop for a pie, stop to go to the toilet. You know, some people might go, Adelaide's a long way. I think I'll stop halfway and have a sleep, right? So that is like our Christian journey, right? We have God leading us to our main destination, which is eternal life. And for Easter, that's symbolized by the cross, the empty tomb, and Jesus returning to the Father's side. The problem was, um, for those early group of followers of Jesus, is they thought the main destination was Jesus just to get to Jerusalem, and for him, him to be in control and celebration. So their pinnacle, their focus was on that day, Palm Sunday, when really Jesus had a further places to go and really Jerusalem was just a stopover. Right? Mark chapter 11, verse 11 reminds us that Jesus leads people to, to the stopovers. Even in this occurrence, Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts, he looked around at everything, But since it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. That's another town. Like he'd actually been through Bethany, come to Jerusalem, then he goes back to Bethany. And not Bethany in the Barossa Valley, but Bethany near Jerusalem. And so if you think about this, think about it for your own life. In our own lives, God will lead us to various interim places, stopovers, Sometimes we'll try to make them our main destination. I often have people who'll say, I'm wondering where God's leading me in my work. I'm wondering where God's leading us as a family. And it could be in a small way or it could be a major way. All those are the interim stopovers. I'm wondering where God's leading me where I live. Right? Pray about those. Place those into God's hands. Trust God for those interim places. But remember, they're not the main point in life. They're not the main focus where God is leading you. Those things, those interim places that we have in our lives, those stopovers will help us on our journey. God will use those to teach us about something. We will meet with people. And I met with a couple this week who are in Australia to study and become engineers. Um, and, but they, they believe God is calling them back to their country where they were born to be missionaries and work full-time as engineers but also be missionaries. Right? And so they see Australia as a stopover to gift them, both with some secular skills, but also to learn more about the gospel But they said that's not the main point. Their main point is not necessarily to be the big missionaries. Yes, that's a significant part of their life. Their main point is to to live an eternal life and to help other people have eternal life. So always remember the main destination. No matter where you are at the moment, no matter what job you're doing, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going through as a person or with your family, Remember, there is a main destination where God is leading you. And sometimes it will be difficult at the stopover. But God is leading you to something more glorious, something far better. And as Jesus says in John chapter 14, after, as he talks to his disciples, he says this, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That's God's main destination for you. You to join him with his father in heaven. That's the purpose of Easter. One of the reasons I nag a little bit about people engaging with the whole Easter story is so we get a complete picture of, of God, what God is doing over Easter. Maundy Thursday is about God preparing us, God preparing us for life as his disciples, life where he's going to be under pressure, where you're going to be under pressure. Good Friday is a reminder of what God had to do for us to make sure we get to the main destination. It's a reminder that Christ had to suffer to pay for our sins. And good, and Easter Sunday is that reminder of the celebration time. The time where we celebrate that God has defeated death, that Jesus rose from the dead. And so those three together are important. And to have that picture rather than just one or the other can actually be detrimental to our faith. And I've seen this in the way people live. Some people have habitually just gone to the Good Friday service. And when they just go to the Good Friday or engage with the Good Friday service, they have this approach which God is all about suffering. It's just about the suffering of God. But that's not the complete picture. We know about Easter Sunday, the celebration. And yet I've had people who only go to the Easter Sunday service and they kind of dismiss the importance of God's suffering for us. All those are stopovers as part of the story because God wants to lead us somewhere further. What they do help, those stopovers are important for us because they help us gain a picture of what is needed for us to have eternal life. What God has done for us so we can have eternal life. And if we look at the Easter story, it's what God has done for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. The third thing about God's leading... And this can be difficult for some, is that God's leading at times will take us, take us into the wilderness and to tough times. And we see this regularly throughout Scripture. We see this you know, with Jerusalem. Right? Jesus is going to ultimately, his reason to go to Jerusalem is to go to the cross, but also to go to the empty tomb so we can have life. It's, ultimately, we'll end up in a time of celebration. But there is going to be some challenges and difficulties. We see this in the story, the story of the original Israelites who were led out of Egypt. God just didn't lead them out of Egypt and then put them into the promised land. They had forty years of wilderness, forty years of difficulties, and we see this with when Jesus begins his own ministry, own ministry. When Jesus has his own ministry. When he begins, after he's baptised, where does God lead? He doesn't lead him to a good place from human perspective, but he leads him into the wilderness, into the desert. And likewise with us, if God, when God leads us, particularly to a different place, there may be times of wilderness and tough times. And so a question for you to think about, a, a something for you to think about is, what do you do when you find yourself in the wilderness, when you find yourself in a tough time? Do you get angry with God? Do you go and follow some other idea to get out of there? Do you listen to some self-help thing? Or do you do something else? Well, the wilderness, another name for the wilderness is some solitude. Right? And what we do know about this solitude and quiet times can be very healthy for us in a spiritual journey. And so here's four questions that I would encourage you to think about or ask if you're ever led, ever find yourself in the wilderness, ever going through a difficult time because you're following God's leading. First of all, ask, what am I being forced to let go of? Because whenever we're in the wilderness, when we've gone through some change, we're often forced to let go of something, particularly if God has led us there. We may need to let go of something. It may be an attitude, it may be something. We may need to grieve about something. But think about, what am I being forced to let go of? One of our problems at times is we always want to hold on to the past rather than trust God. The second question to ask is, What change may God be bringing about as you enter the wilderness? Bringing about in you? Bringing about in how you relate to other people? Bringing about how you relate to God? The third is important, you know, and you don't have to be a Christian to ask this third one, but it's a good, helpful thing is, what what might I be learning during this time in the wilderness? Peter has, um was a pastor of a very active church and he basically burnt out. And as a result, he, he thought about and reflected on what does it mean to be um, in the wilderness when every life is busy around us. And he encourages us now to take time of solitude twice a day, to have times of quietness with God, not to ask God or demand from God, but to simply be in God's presence, to have times where we just be quiet. And one of the reasons that we have quiet times within our worship service is to be in God's presence. And we do ask questions or we do encourage you to think about this. And he said, what happens is over time, you will learn who God is. And so during the wilderness times, it may help you understand who God is. One of the dangers of going into the wilderness times is you can become very self-focused and just think of yourself. Protection, victimization. But if we focus on God and ask, what is God teaching me? What is God learning? What does it mean to be in God's presence? How do I meditate during that time? And so our fourth question is, how is this time in the wilderness helping me Focus on God and trust in God. I read a story just recently of a couple who um, had left the States, America, and went to New Zealand um, because through circumstances, through prayer, through a number of situations, they believed God was calling them to New Zealand. The problem was they didn't have a lot of finances, so they couldn't ship all their furniture and everything to New Zealand. So they arrived in New Zealand with two suitcases each, and that's all they had. And it was about trusting God. They said the first 12 months was simply about learning how to trust God to provide for them. Right. Now, some people are very much equipped for that and some of us aren't. But that is an idea of somebody in the wilderness. They weren't quite sure what God had in mind. They did have a couple of opportunities provided before them, but they weren't confirmed. But because of timing, they needed to, to leave America before they were confirmed. And they said, this wilderness, this, the first two years of their time in New Zealand, really felt like a wilderness thing. They didn't have a lot of friends. They didn't know a lot of people. But what they did do learn is to trust God more. And what does it mean to trust God when you're not in control? So the third thing is, God's leading at times, expect to go into the wilderness and to go to tough times. Sometimes we think when the wilderness or tough times happen, that's not God. But if you look at the scriptures, that's often how God is working. The fourth area where God leads is as God leads us, he will provide. He might not provide exactly how you want or as what you want, but he does provide. If you look at again at the Old Testament and you see this regularly, right, the history of God providing when people are in need. You know, whether it be the Exodus story or whether it be He's promising to provide here. This is what He says in verse 9 I would lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they'll not stumble, because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Keep in mind this context of what Jeremiah is speaking into. These people are in Babylon, they're with the enemy, right? But it's not just an easy kind of, oh, you're free, get on a plane and get back to Jerusalem. And it's going to have to walk through the desert, through foreign lands where they could get attacked, where there's unlikely to be lots of food and that there's this promise from God to provide. And as these people heard it, if they had trust in God, which many of them would have, they would remember the Old Testament stories where repeatedly the people whinged that they didn't have enough food Repeatedly they complained that things wasn't going well um, as they left Egypt and as they were heading towards the promised land and every time God provided. And that's an important thing for us as well, is to trust that God will provide us as we lead. We don't like not to be in control, do we? We don't like not to have full control of what's going on. I have this phrase which I occasionally use. I think some of us are accountant Christians. And the reason I say that is most accountants I meet, they want to know all the facts and see everything in place before they make a decision. What we're called to do is to follow God, to trust God, and along the way, he'll provide. And so as a church, think about what that may mean for us if we need to make some important decisions in the future. Think about that we we need to hear the vision. We need to follow God's leading and let it unfold and work out how this is going to be resourced in the future. Think about for your own life. If God has put a strong call on you about something, are you going to worry about that you've got everything in under control and organised before you follow that leading? Because if that was the case the disciples wouldn't have followed Jesus. If that was the case, the people wouldn't have left Egypt. If that was the case, the people wouldn't have left Babylon. The call for all of us is to trust God and to trust that he will provide along the way. It doesn't mean we'd be lazy, though, but what it does mean is that we work towards and see how God will unfold the situation. And the fifth aspect when we're being led by God is we don't just follow and kind of walk along like this and kind of keep to ourselves. Jeremiah encourages the people as they leave Babylon to do three things. First is to tell all about God's good leading. To tell everybody, be very public about how God is good and what he's done. The second is to praise and thank God. And the third is to continually pray, to ask the Lord to save them. This is what it says in verse 7. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. This week we have a great opportunity to redirect people's thinking about who God is. To help people see that God is a God that came into this world not to oppress them. God is a God who's came into this world to love them, to forgive them, to save them. Now, some people may, what might need to be saved from? But encourage them to hear that God's not about trying to condemn people, but rather to save people. If there's one passage of Scripture that I encourage you to carry around in your head and be ready to share on your lips. It's John three sixteen to 17. For God so loved the world that he came into this world to save the world and not to condemn the world. And the reason I encourage that is that we live in a world that seems to have a picture of God about oppressing, controlling and trying to put people, have people under oppression. But that's not the message of neither the Old or the New Testament about God. And so we're called as God's people as we live as we follow God to be very public about that to let people know that God is a good God who's leading us and to thank and praise God for that and also to pray to God that he will save us and all people. You know one of my prayers that's regularly is I regularly think of people who in my life who seem some distance from God. Some who I who would say they're not Christian. And I'm regularly praying for them to be saved as well as me. And I encourage you to do the same. So what does it mean in living the faith as we are being led by God and being renewed by God's leading? First of all, remember, we don't just follow God by ourselves. We join with others. We're part of this journey as a community of faith. Practically here at St. Paul's and now with our online is we're a community of people who connect together to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to support each other, to to encourage each other in the journey of faith. So join with each other. Don't expect anyone to be like you. And I often say, God help if I find somebody like myself because I'm probably not going to like everything about them. But join with others in following Jesus. Secondly, in living the faith and and being led by God, is go where God is leading, both to those stopover points, because those stopover points are helpful for us, but also to the main destination. Never lose focus that the main destination is eternal life with God. It's not about... And sometimes people flip it the other way. Oh, yeah, I am happy about eternal life, but I really want God to give me a more comfortable life or a better life here on earth. Now that's part of those stopover points, but that's not the main destination. The main destination is that eternal life. So go where God is leading. Thirdly, expect there to be some wilderness times. Expect there to be some challenges in your Christian faith. But don't lose the opportunity that those wilderness times, those challenges present. Allow them to be times where God speaks to you, where you get closer to God. Fourthly, trust in God to provide. Trust that God will provide, that God will open up opportunities for you to to be provided. Last week, we had Audrey in our service, who's, who's a Bible translator, who's in Southeast Asia. And unbelievable, she is trusting God to provide her. And she's had some ups and downs already. Like, she prepared for this for five years. Then she goes to the country she's serving in, gets to that country, and what happens? COVID breaks out and has to come back to Australia. And still try to do some work. Now, Bible translation works best when you're in the community of that language. But she's trusting in God to provide. And if you want to help her out, um, there's there's a link in our weekly update to do so. And lastly, as you go on this journey with God, as you go on this journey being led by God, tell others how good God is. Be clear to others that the reason you follow God is that he's a loving God, a trustworthy God, the one who really wants to save and love people. Thank and praise God for who he is, but also pray regularly. Pray regularly for your salvation, for the salvation of your family, and for the salvation of others. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9 says, They'll come with weeping. They'll pray as I bring them back. I would lead them beside streams of water. On a level path, they will not stumble, because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. And so I want to end on a a little story that may help us illustrate what it means to trust God, particularly when it's difficult. One day, a group had taken off from Sydney and are flying to Perth. And as I was flying to Perth, the pilot said, We're going to expect some turbulence. Now, because it was a long flight, most people didn't worry. Then it was time for drinks to come out, refreshments to come out. Um, And just before that happened, the pilot put an announcement over and said, We've suspended the refreshments because turbulence is coming. Then the turbulence hit, and a lot of people looked very worried. They got particularly worried because it was not just a short few moments. It went on for about 10 minutes in this flight. And it was a bit rough and ready. But there was this little girl who was sitting there about 10 and she was reading a book. And she looked so content. And the person next to her was a businessman and he was getting a bit stressed. His blood pressure was going up and he was worried about things right, because of the turbulence. And this turbulence didn't just go on for 10 minutes. It went on for most of the trip. And this businessman turned, but throughout the whole time, this girl looked quite at peace, quite content, and just read her book while everybody around her was stressed. And the businessman said to her, aren't you worried about the storm and the turbulence? Aren't you stressed? And she says, no. Nah. I don't need to stress. My dad's the pilot and he's taken me home. I'm trusting him. He'll get me there. Well, for us as Christians, that's our story. We will go through turbulence, but God is leading us home. May you go trusting God and may be at peace throughout all difficulties. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen.